Blog Talk Radio. where I am, and I uh, hope it's been a great day where you are, wherever you may be. Uh, Scott McKay here on Blog Talk Radio. Very glad you decided to join us, whether you're uh, listening live this evening or whether you are downloading this and listening with a stream that's going on, which is really terrific if that's the case. I uh, really appreciate you doing that, and I'm really, really glad that you are here and joining us. So call if you get a chance. Uh, here's the number to call in. It is... If you're listening out of the United States, of course, you have to dial the country code and your international access code, but 347-855-8312. I'll repeat that one more time. 347-855-8312 is the number to call in and would love for you to join us here on Blog Talk Radio. So thanks for tuning in. Let's begin. We're going to talk this evening about Jeff Bridges' country music album, after much publicity, has been a bust. And Steve Jobs, as you know, resigned as CEO of Apple Computer, or Apple Incorporated now it is, uh, this past week. We're going to talk about how that all leads to all businesses, show business, and how that all fits together. But first of all, let's listen to just us. It's a little bit about why all business is show business. Does it seem as though your customers are less loyal and more demanding? Do the people who buy your products and services now want it better, quicker, cheaper, no matter how tough it is for you and your organization to deliver? At the same time, you may have noticed that your employees have changed. Perhaps you also feel your colleagues' work ethic is different than it used to be. How about you and your professional standing? Could you benefit from a greater ability to connect with your customers and colleagues? Does your communication to them sometimes seem ignored or lost in the clutter? Well, if any or all of this sounds familiar you are experiencing the impact of the cultural phenomenon this program will tackle. Today's culture relentlessly bombards us with entertainment. The world we inhabit today is different from the one in which previous generations lived. Whether it's the latest television hit like Survivor or a classic movie that we rent from Blockbuster, Howard Stern or Rush Limbaugh, Leno or Letterman, CNBC or ESPN, the entertainment industry surrounds us. My belief based on 20 years of speeches and seminars to corporate America, is that show business has inundated us so thoroughly it has changed the way we buy and work. If you don't understand this fact and change the way you relate to customers and employees accordingly, you're going to fail, individually and organizationally. Entertainment succeeds when it establishes an emotional connection with the audience. The more powerful the connection, the greater the success. You, too, must establish a passionate linkage with your clients and colleagues to create the type of loyal relationship that every business is seeking with its most important targets. No matter what business you're in, it's show business. But let's get one thing straight. Entertainment does not mean merely song and dance. As one firm asked me, is my cardiologist in show business? I mean, I don't want him to tap dance his way into my bypass. Well, if that's what you are thinking, you need to broaden your view of entertainment. Certainly at times and in appropriate situations, entertainment's desired response is amusement. 
However, you would never think that a sense of lighthearted fun or slapstick mirth was the purpose behind movies like Schindler's List or even Silence of the Lambs. The same emotional flexibility is true in business. For some organizations, creating and enhancing a connection with your customers and employees, your audience, if you will, will be found through increased humor and fun. Others, like a pharmacy, for example, will establish their emotional bond through caring and concern by identifying with their customers and employees. The purpose of this program is to examine this phenomenon and to explain how you can make it work for you and your organization. I'm also going to prescribe some specific steps that you and your business can take to sell and serve your customers and manage and motivate your employees more productively in the 21st century. It's showtime. Setting the stage, your business is show business. Not long ago, I experienced an incident that helped bring home to me the reality of today's marriage between entertainment and business. I returned to my hometown to present a lecture for an in-service meeting of my home school's teachers and administrators. Now, I have to admit, well before the program started, I was already feeling a bit scared because sitting in the front row was one of my former elementary school teachers on whom I had a crush as a schoolboy. So I began my presentation with a very standard question that many speakers and authors ask to begin a lecture. Let's start by having you tell me, I said, what your biggest problem is. That way we'll make certain we touch upon your most significant challenges. I thought I knew the answer these teachers were going to give. You know, student discipline, lack of parental involvement, changing curriculum, lack of funding. Imagine my surprise when my former teacher raised her hand and declared, Scott, I believe education's biggest problem today is Sesame Street. My response to her answer was immediate and profound. Huh? My former educator asked me then, Scott, who taught you your ABCs? I said, well, my mother, my grandmother. Of course, she said. However, for the last 30 years, young people have been taught their ABCs by Big Bird, Bert and Ernie. And that means they arrive on the steps of their school for the very first day of formal instruction expecting to be entertained as they are educated. My elementary school teacher was still teaching me. For the past three decades and more, at the most basic level, we have taught everyone in this culture that education as well as everything else that's supposed to happen in life, is going to be experiential. Whether we approve of this phenomenon or not really doesn't matter. Either way, the fact remains, this is our world's reality. Entertainment is an integral part of our learning and training from an early age. So, it behooves us to understand exactly what the entertainment experience really does. The all-business-is-show-business philosophy is not about spending more money and blowing out your budget. It's not about dressing up in funny costumes and playing silly games. It's not even about entertaining your customer in the way that many organizations think. For example, taking them to dinners and ball games. This philosophy is based on how you connect with the people who are most important to your business, your customers, and your colleagues. It's about understanding the need for high-touch solutions in a high-tech world. It's about realizing that relationships are more profitable than a mere sale. And there we have some information on all business is show business, and I was thinking about it a lot this uh, this last week with the resignation of Steve Jobs as the CEO of, of Apple. I always want to say Apple Computer. Are you that way? It's, it's hard for me to remember and hard for me to just uh, stop that because it's uh, uh, my very first computer was an Apple IIe, dating myself there. I had uh, the Macintosh 512K, and just what 
you know, I remember when the Mac SE came out and it had a megabyte uh, on the hard drive. And I thought, how in the world will I ever fill all of this space? It's just incredible when you think how a gig isn't enough today, how the world has changed since that original time. But one of the things that, uh, as we were talking there about all business being show business, it was, as I said earlier, was reminded of that by the resignation of Steve Jobs. And, and I was thinking and wrote on my blog earlier this week that perhaps the ultimate adage in show business is you're supposed to leave them wanting more. I've, I've been a professional speaker for many, many years, and, and the constant reminder that we always talk about as speakers and that we talk about in our National Speakers Association is it's it's better to end your speech too early than to end it too late. Better to have them wanting more presentation than to wish you would have stopped a long time ago. Earlier this week, Steve Jobs uh, proved that he knows that all business is show business, perhaps as well as any executive that ever lived. Now, if you have seen the pictures on TMZ.com, if you've seen some of the posts uh, that have been made about his health, it certainly makes you wonder what the situation is there. And as someone that has lost someone dear to me with cancer, as I know many of you have in, in your lives, it's, it's something that just hits us so hard when we see another family and another person going through that. On one of the Mac blogs, or on several of the Mac blogs, it talked about the perception that perhaps that photo had been doctored, but then we saw something uh, later this afternoon that the people who took the photo claim that it's not. But whether whether it's true or whether it's not true, certainly we hope and pray there is no subsequent announcement in the near future about his health. And, and it also makes me wonder, if he really thought he wasn't going to be around for a while, then why would he ask for the role of chairman of Apple's board of directors? I think he must be at least optimistic that he has time left or else he would not be seeking that particular role. But more importantly, let's take a look, regardless of Steve Jobs' health, let's take a look at the many things that he's accomplished. When he came back to Apple, the company he had co-founded years earlier, by the time he got back to Apple, the company is basically on life support. Many investors calling for the corporate equivalent of pulling the plug. Remember that? He, he took over from Gil Emilio, and the company was in total disarray. They had licensed the Mac OS. They had allowed for clone machines. They had done a number of things, and as the company's fortunes had continued to erode the innovation and the quality had as well. Many of us that have stuck with Mac through the years and stuck with Apple through the years were, of course, extraordinarily tempted to to go in another direction at that particular point because it was, it was tough being a fan of Apple. I remember doing a program, and I won't tell you who the group was for, but they had software stores and malls, and they wanted me to do some secret shopper kind of visits just to get to know a little bit better about what they do. So I went into one of the stores, and it was in Minneapolis, and said something about, did they have any Mac software? And literally, the clerk said, look, when you get a real computer, then come back and talk to us, and maybe we'll sell you some software. <laughs> Can you believe that? But it was indicative of how bad it really was. Now, not just how bad the customer service was at that particular store to say that to a customer, but how bad the situation was for Mac owners. It was difficult for us to find software, to even find a place to buy the computer. Most everything that we were doing, you know, thank goodness for FedEx, because just about everything that we were doing, um, we, we had to do through mail order. We had to get FedEx to ship it to us from places like Mac Mall and and, and other mail order stores because there there were no places to to purchase a, a an Apple product in many places here in the country. So that that was the situation that Steve Jobs faced when he came back. And low morale, depleted product line, lack of innovation, 
all of those things, and he simply turned that around into creating perhaps the most valuable organization on the planet. That is a remarkable accomplishment. Regardless of iPod, iPhone, iPad, iMac, any of that, the fact that he simply took an organization that was on its last legs and turned it into the planet's most desirable organization, most desirable company, is, is really something incredible. Anybody involved with manufacturing knows that product development has a pretty long lead cycle. Obviously, it depends upon what the product is and the technology involved and the manufacturing steps involved. But nonetheless, from the development to the execution of product is, is typically in manufacturing a fairly long life cycle. And that probably means that Apple's already working on iPhone 6 and iPhone 7 and iPad 3 and iPad 4. So there's no doubt that Jobs' input and style and influence is going to last at the company for a very long time to come. However, I'm going to suggest to you it's much more than that. Steve Jobs can leave his day-to-day -day role now and he can concentrate on big issues as the chairman rather than uh, the day-to-day -day role as, as a manager. He can continue to inspire while he relinquishes the drudgery of his daily CEO opportunities. So hopefully that's good. And what better time could there possibly be to leave? There's absolutely no doubt. It's almost become a cliche. Years ago, speakers used to use overuse Southwest Airlines stories. Now it seems as though Apple is the company that we overuse in our speeches, but with good cause. Apple is the absolute, unquestioned, pinnacle of success at the top of the world. You know, I'm a big sports fan, and, and sports fans hate it when the athlete stays around too long and tarnishes his or her image and his or her reputation. I just hate thinking about Michael Jordan wearing that Washington Wizards uniform. Michael Jordan should have stayed his entire career wearing that Chicago Bulls uniform, even as much pain as he caused Indiana Pacer fans, of which I am one. I'm glad Reggie Miller never put on any other uniform other than a uh, Indiana Pacers uniform, and uh, as a Colts fan, I'm praying that Peyton Manning retires as an Indianapolis Colt. I, I remember as a young kid, Willie Mays, a hero of my early youth, then as I got into junior high school, his final year, barely able to catch up with fly balls uh, in the outfield wearing a Mets uniform. That's the way he spent his final year. Uh, I hate thinking of athletes that don't know when to quit. Steve Jobs left at the absolute pinnacle. And with one more aspect I wanted to bring up, I used to work a bit in television news as a movie reviewer, which is how the whole all-business-is-show-business process got started, and also as a television news anchor. And it always bothered me a lot because it seemed like we never really asked how any particular story was going to impact someone's family. It seems that somewhere along the way it's easy to forget that everyone was somebody's father or mother or daughter or son. And it seems like we never really questioned how a report might cause harm or might cause good to the family. Many times it's easy to forget that people have personal lives. We look at Steve Jobs as a corporate titan, as a genius of industry, as, as someone who has done such incredible things for his company. But that also makes it easy to forget that Steve Jobs is also a husband and he's also a dad. And maybe, just maybe, after he's conquered the world, been hailed as a genius, and revolutionized business around the planet, we can hope perhaps that part of what Steve Jobs wants to do is just save her life a little bit more. If that is the case, as we hope it is, he's reminding us of something that's even infinitely more important than how to simply run a business. All business is show business, and it's something that I hope we don't forget as we proceed.
But there's even something more important, and that is that we have to make certain that we balance our lives to the degree that we can, that we can find ways to create those compelling relationships, not only with customers, but even more importantly, with the people in our personal lives as well, the ones we so often take for granted. Here's another segment from the book, All Business is Show Business. Seeing Behind the Masks. At a recent convention where I was giving a speech, the CEO's presentation stressed his company's sales growth as it added business locations. Imagine my surprise when the vice president of marketing leaned over to me and whispered, growth covers a multitude of sins. What a perfect comment. When we are in an expanding economy, a business's growth can mask a massive amount of mistakes in how it deals with its customers. They might be taking their business elsewhere because you aren't performing as well as you should, but the business doesn't miss the disgruntled customers because new ones are there to replace them. That's why we often see a shakeout when the economy tightens. Companies that were taking customers for granted and not providing the kinds of emotional experiences required in today's culture, companies that were, in effect, growing only through expansion and acquisition, find themselves now without loyal customers. Their growing economy disguised the company's mistakes. Managers who fail to look beyond the numbers and behind the mask are in for a disappointing surprise. A shrinking economy can create a mask as well. When the times get tighter, employees tend to stay in their current situations because they're fearful of making a change. Employers assume their business is staffed with loyal employees because turnover is low. But when the inevitable upturn arrives, however, if the company hasn't provided a positive experience, then the best people bolt for the door. I actually had a sales manager tell me a while back that he didn't believe in spending much on training and education because these people are going to leave anyway. Would you want to work for someone like that? Me neither. The only people in that place running faster to get out the door than the employees are the customers. Shame on those managers who fail to look beyond the numbers and discover both customers' and employees' needs for emotional connection. Now, please don't believe for a second this program is about throwing away all your established yet persuasive ways of doing business during this revolution that we're discussing. But if your career or your organization or department or team isn't as successful as you'd like, you're not going to get there by working harder on your old plan. Think of the film Hoosiers. It was very old-fashioned, yet it was a huge hit. It took old ideas and made them feel fresh through the intense emotional connection the audience felt with the characters. Well, you need a new way of thinking. Taking a fresh look through new eyes at old ideas can lead you, too, to a smashing success. Look at some of your more established practices and ask yourself how they can be updated to enhance the emotional connections that you are making with customers, colleagues, and prospects. Of making certain that all businesses show business and how we can connect to a greater degree with customers more than ever before. So that's part of what we want to do is to see how we can find ways to enhance the connections that we have with customers, to grow our businesses in the marketplace, to understand the challenges, the changes that happen so often. That is a critical part of the all business is show business philosophy. It's interesting to me how much we try to get publicity for our businesses, for our efforts, whether you're an independent business person, an author, running a small business, running an Internet business, all of the things that we try to do to get attention, to gain attention, but yet something that my favorite blogger, Bob Lessis, just pointed out uh, in a post earlier this week, really struck me. Lessis writes about the music business, and when you believe that all business is show business, that's something I certainly like to stay in touch with. 
And that there was a phenomenon that I was watching, and Les has obviously noticed it too, and that was the Jeff Bridges release of his country music album. Now, Jeff Bridges is one of my all-time favorite actors. I, I've loved him in just about everything that he's done, everything from The Dude Abides and The Big Lebowski to his most recent Rooster Cogburn and True Grit, everything from Thunderbolt and Lightfoot, Starman, on and on and on. I mean, this guy is one of the best. The fabulous Baker boys with his brother Bo and, and, and Michelle Pfeiffer. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. The incredible movies, the incredible hits this guy has had. He's an Oscar-winning actor, and he certainly obviously seems to have it all. Except he doesn't. And it's what he recently failed to attain that really ought to be a lesson for all of us. Inspired by both his love of music and his character Bad Blake from his best actor-winning performance in the movie True Heart, Jeff Bridges decided he was going to record and release an album of country music. Now, listen to who he got to partner with him. A stellar lineup to assist on the project, including legendary producer T-Bone Burnett. If that name doesn't ring a bell, let me just tell you, he was at the helm of legendary music projects, like the soundtrack for Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? He was the producer of the fantastic Robert Plant, Allison Krauss CD, Raising Sand, he played guitar for many years for Bob Dylan. Jeff Bridges lined up a true A-list of musicians who were attracted to the project both for Jeff Bridges' sake and also to work with producer T-Bone Burnett. He also produces John Mellencamp and a ton of other major, major musicians. And now he became Jeff Bridges' producer. And they make this album. Well, the publicity that followed was simply unbelievable. Bridges sang the first single, what a Little Bit of Love Can Do, which, being a country music fan, is a song I like a lot. On a simply incredible number of television shows, Bridges did interviews in leading newspapers. He was on everything from Regis and Kelly to In USA Today. He was on late-night television. He was interviewed in the New York Times. It just seemed like he was everywhere. And, by the way, to add to his good fortune, most of the reviews being written for his music were positive. Now, wouldn't all of our organizations just be turning backflips over receiving a wall-to-wall press like this? Then, as Bob Lessitz I talked about earlier pointed out, practically no one, and I mean no one, purchased Bridges' album. Think about this for a minute. In a country of 300 million people, after the most fantastic publicity one could ever dream of, Here's a celebrity, an Oscar-winning celebrity, a household name, and he sold a grand total of 13,197 units, (laughs) of which I was one. But nonetheless, wouldn't you think that Jeff Bridges could put his name on anything and it would do better than 13,197 units, especially after that kind of publicity? Bob Lessitz notes, Maybe people streamed the tracks on YouTube or Spotify and decided to pass. Blessis also mentioned that's another thing that's died, buying on the come. Now you try before you buy. People take music out, and I'm going to piggyback on what Lefsitz says, and, and it's a lot of things that people take out for a test spin. And as Lefsitz says, unless it's really damn good, they pass. Well, I'm going to suggest to you that while he's talking about music, I'm talking about your business, whatever it is. It's not just music. It's your products. It's your services. Most importantly, it's you. By the way, the Lessons Post also points out, consider the artist Adele. Here on this Sunday evening where we're doing this show live, Adele will be performing later tonight on the MTV Music Awards. 
Other than that, when you think of the publicity that she has tried to generate, which is practically zero, she doesn't really work the media. She turns down most publicity opportunities. She turns down most PR opportunities. But here's what she did. She made a simply fantastic album. Adele's 21 is number two on the chart after 25 weeks on the chart. Adele this week, where Jeff Bridges in his first week moved a little over 13,000 units, Adele moved over 80,000 units half a year into the release, and she sold a total of over 3 million units of the album, as less its notes. That's a good number in anybody's era, regardless of downloads technology, and she's still on her first single. So what's Adele's secret? I'm going to suggest there's two. Number one, a terrific product. Have you heard the songs? They're amazing. It's a terrific product. Here's number two, an obsessive devotion to her art and to her fans. In other words, Jeff Bridges' music is really good, but good is just not good enough in today's marketplace, even if you're a world-renowned celebrity. Adele's music is jaw-dropping great, which means your best marketing is not publicity. Despite all of our efforts, all of our work, all of our trials and tribulations to try to get the media to pay attention to us, to try to get folks on social media to friend and follow us, to try to get the attention, the eyeballs, the, the mind share out there, your best marketing to get that is not cheesy publicity. Here's the best marketing. It's simply to be fantastic at what you do. I've often told the story that before I got paid for my first speech, because of my involvement in a student organization, I literally gave over a thousand free speeches to all different sizes and types of audiences before I got paid for my first speech. For years, when people have asked me what they should do to be a successful public speaker, I've said, look, I gave a thousand free speeches. If you'll just do half of that, I'll do anything I can to help you. And in over 20 years, I have yet to have a single person take me up on that offer. I'd even shrink it to a quarter. Do 250 free. But see, we don't want to do what it takes to become insanely great, to use Steve Jobs' metaphor, at what we do. We want it quick. We want it fast. We want it now. We want the instant gratification. And that's just impossible in today's world. You see, it means one more thing. In today's marketplace, sales is not something you pursue as much as it is something you attract by the quality of the performance of your product, of your service, of your performance on the stage, because in fact, all business is show business. On our next Blog Talk Radio episode, we're going to be talking more about how sales is something you attract rather than something you pursue. I think you're going to enjoy the show. It's going to be quite controversial because a lot of us have been used to going out and pursuing sales. We used to be going out and knocking on doors and sending out junk mail and doing all the things we can to attract people in. In fact, sales is something a little bit different than that. We're going to see in today's world why sales are attracted by what you represent, by the kind of company you are, the kind of individual you are, by the type of organization that you are. That's what we're going to be exploring on our next show, and I think you're going to enjoy it. 
Thanks so much for tuning in. Whether you've been live online on this Sunday evening or whether you're downloading our show and accessing it in that way, also don't forget that anytime you'd like to some of the past uh, shows, that you can download them at any time here on Blog Talk Radio. Also, you can subscribe to podcasts on iTunes as well. Don't forget, you can live stream information from our organization and from me, Scott McCain, 24-7 as well on live365.com. Just go to live365.com slash Scott McCain. It's M-C-K-A-I-N. Well, thank you so much for tuning in. I really appreciate you listening, and I truly look forward to our next time again. McCain, have a great, great week. Thank you.